<laughs> Go first. Okay. Hi, I'm Amanda. Hello, I'm Nada. So welcome to our new podcast. It's called Girls Who Grill. Yep. Um, we should probably explain why it's called that. Yeah, it's not about grilling <laughs> or meat of any kind. Um, it's kind of an abstract thing because, mm-hmm. like, you know, grilling pop culture. Yeah. But really it originated when we tried to, when I had, like, people over at my house and I had to figure out how to use a grill and Nita and I were like, let's look on YouTube. And we found a whole thing that was called Girls Who Grill. Yeah. And we got very entertained by it because it was like, if you're a girl, this is how you grill. You can grill. Yeah. And we were like, this is very empowering. And I think about that video literally all the time. Like, <laughs> it got all the day, every day. It, yeah. it really empowered me to grill. So we decided to turn that back around on the pop culture industry mm-hmm. and grill the industry. Yes. So we're going to be talking about everything from film mm-hmm. to TV to... Um, I. You could bring in your YouTuber drama if you oh, want. Oh, I could... Uh, I have so many thoughts on YouTuber drama. Oh my god. And I do want to talk about Selena Gomez's new makeup line because oh. I'm pleasantly surprised. I do not know anything about that. Yeah. See that'll be your that'll be your specialty. I just spend all the day on Reddit scrolling <laughs> through different forums, finding pop culture news. That's really um, funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we should say Nina and I met each other in middle school yeah and then we also went to high school together and it was funny because we were both like in the same middle school but like really didn't know each other yeah not at all I think I never had a class with you no I just like saw you from afar um but then in high school we became really good friends we did the same theater program together Mm -hmm. city at peace dc you can donate to them Mm -hmm. at atlas.org slash city at peace dc um and that's where our friendship blossomed and here we are today so today we're talking we're starting off talking about kind of like one of the things that we want to do is talk about movies that people think are really good or like anything that people are really good and we're asking is this actually really good yeah and so we're starting with kind of like the, One of the biggest films yeah. in pop culture, mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. directed by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, that was directed by him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that actually. Really? Yeah, like that's like one of his first films. Actually, oh, yeah, I thought his, he his first film was Reservoir Dogs. Oh, but... I thought he did Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> funny because his best friend is short boy are you serious no literally he's like best friend with robert rodriguez okay that was that's actually my favorite movie i love shark boy and lava girl can we do that one please because okay i was a twilight kid Mm -hmm. in middle school and i was obsessed with shark boy and lava girl in elementary school and when i found out that taylor lautner was gonna be playing jacob black in the twilight movie i lost my shit because i already had a crush on him because he played shark boy and then i had an even bigger crush on him because he played jacob i was like damn yeah i had a similar but opposite thing where mm-hmm. i had a crush on him because he played shark boy but i as a principal hated twilight <laughs> so then i disowned him and was like i don't like him anymore yeah yeah he's actually like he seems like a sweet boy mm-hmm. yeah yeah now it's coming around yeah um yeah so should we get into it oh yeah and stay tuned for a short boy and lava girl episode <laughs> the movie that we're talking about this week is the one and only pulp fiction by quentin tarantino which Ooh. i first watched i realized during the um 
twist scene. I first watched it because uh-huh. in the ninth grade, we were, like, doing something in drama class. And this kid was like, you dance like Uma Thurman from Pulp Fiction. And I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Um, and I had a huge crush on him, and I wanted him to kiss my face. That seems so, like a flirty thing to say, though. It was not, because he was not interested in me at all. Oh. But um, <laughs> I went home and watched Pulp Fiction on Netflix. And that's, that's like, the reason I watched it the first time. Yeah, back when it was on Netflix, before we had to get stars free trials. Oh, we got scammed. <laughs> like, I'm going to forget to cancel that in seven days and I'll, give I'll them text, money. I'll text you. Please. We should just do that right now. No, literally, because I don't need it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, yes. Yeah, so, I had never actually seen this. Mm-hmm. I never, I was just like, yeah. And I was told many times. You haven't seen it. And then, you know, that's just a very annoying thing to hear. Yeah. And it makes you not want to see something more. Yeah. Um, but when we were, when you were talking about, like, nihilism in the movie, whatever, I was just thinking after, like, my first thing going into this is just that it's crazy watching a movie that's been so discussed and so, like, analyzed that mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, I didn't know that's what this movie was. Like, I was, I was watching it and, like, thinking about um the like critical perspective of it or whatever and I'm sure there's like tomes worth of essays written about this movie um but I just was like I don't even have the energy to analyze this because I know so many other people have done it exactly that's exactly what it was like I started I was like okay so the shot in this scene and then I was like no like and it would happen a couple times where I would be like oh fuck this is beautiful and then I would be like I'd be like, oh my god, the like, um, the the medium long shot. It's yeah. tight on the face, and then I'd be like, this. I you don't have to do that. <laughs> you can stop. We're not here for this. Yeah, that's this not is what not, we're here for. We're not in our college course. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is just for fun. It's just for fun. Yeah. yeah. So what are what are your initial thoughts on the movie overall as like a person who's never seen it before? Initial thoughts are mixed. I mm-hmm. would say. There were parts where I was, like, really into it, on, yeah. which I didn't expect. And part of that was really just, like, the music, I think, was, like, a huge part of it. And, like, the yeah. vibes of parts of the scene. But I'm not someone that's, like, super into gratuitous violence and that kind of thing. And, yeah. like, I see the appeal for other people to be, like, this is really pushing the boundaries of all these things. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's, like, not necessarily my cup of tea but I understood why people were like, woo! Yeah. But I was just kind of like, uh, but like parts, the more just like chill, normal, like some parts of it, I was like really into. Yeah. And I understood it in terms of like, I really liked the structure of it. Yeah. I was into the structure and like, I think that's cool that it was like, you know, non-linear and all this stuff. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. But parts of it, I was just like, eh, like, yeah. this is too much for me. I yeah. agree. I remember the first time I watched this, I was literally 14, and I was, like, <laughs> just, I was just like, oh, you know when you're, like, a kid, and you just, yeah. like, absorb things without judgment? So... 100%. Yeah. So yeah. I just was, like, literally along for the ride, and then we got, they got to that scene where they were, like, tied up in the pawn shop. Oh, God. Oh, and God. I was like, this isn't... I don't... Whatever's about to happen, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. And that that was the one part of the movie that I remember being like, I didn't need to experience yep. that. Why and how did you think to do that? Yep. Yep. So, yeah. 
yeah it, it kind of reminds me of like art that's just like all right you're just doing this to push the boundaries yeah. like I understand like if my th- first thought is like what was the point of that and I understand mm-hmm. like okay like the point was nihilist like there is no point of any- anything yeah but like I'm still like all right but it didn't it wasn't working for me I was like I'm not into this yeah no. <laughs> do you want to like go through the movie chronologically yeah and then and I can talk about some of my notes okay cool going through, and but... I I remember a few of my notes yeah but I left my notebook at home (laughs) but so I remember a few of my notes but like not all of them okay Um, so you know in your notes app how the first thing is bolded yeah so my first note it seems like it's the most important one but really it's not yeah and it's just British is it a fake accent (laughs) (laughs) um and the guy the British guy in the beginning yeah did it sound fake to you? It sounded so fake. <laughs> I didn't even remember that he was English in this movie. Yeah. I was like, I was like, why are we just Cockney now? What's happening? I was like, why is he the one? Yeah. And my next note, which, yeah, which is probably not true, but mm-hmm. I wrote it down, so I'll just say it, which is, it reminds me of how I used to talk before I got speech therapy. Because <laughs> I couldn't say ours. <laughs> he was just like, oh, like, I don't know. I was just like, what is his accent? This is really bad. He just, and like, that first scene, that opening scene is just, to me, it was really disorienting because it's like, you watch the trailer and you see like John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson and like, yeah. All of these, and like Bruce Willis, and it starts with these randoms, <laughs> and, and not randoms, or like yeah. actors who are famous, but like to me they were randoms. Yeah. In a diner, and yeah. they're just like talking very casually about robbing it. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I think like, and I think like that was the, that's the beginning of a thing that I noticed about the dialogue throughout the movie is that like. It just is nothing. Yeah. It's like they're just, it's just conversations. But, so, because you know, like, some people, so I, like, write fiction, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, the the dialogue is kind of everything. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have dialogue, it has to, like, have a meaning and it has to have a purpose and, like, drive the story forward. Yeah. But this dialogue is kind of just, like, words that people say to each other. Yeah, like really meaningless references yeah. and pop culture stuff. Yeah. And yeah, and even when they're talking, and like I think good dialogue is like you're saying one thing but you're meaning something else. Yeah. But this was like even like a step beyond that, which is like you're not even saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. You, like the, or like the meaning is just plain. Yeah. You're literally just talking. <laughs> yeah. So I, that was like that, because he's just like talking casually about about the like merits of robbing a restaurant versus yeah. robbing a gas station versus robbing a liquor store yeah um yeah yeah that's a good note yeah um <laughs> this is when i said we should do a buzzfeed quiz <laughs> i wrote down this woman is intense yeah she's quiet because she just like starts screaming yeah yeah she's a little crazy um and then i wrote down 
okay, that was a good opening. Because it was, like, when the music came in, I was kind of, like, you know, there's times when I was kind of under its spell and times mm-hmm. where I wasn't, and that yeah. was a time I was, like, when the music comes in, you're, like... It just really, like, pulls you in. Yeah, yeah. It is... I was thinking of, like, pulp things and, like, Hollywood. It's, like, the allure of Hollywood and all these things. It, like, sometimes just, like, catches, casts, yeah. like, a spell over you, I feel like. And I think to that point, too, like, the whole idea of pulp is that it's, like, a kind of, like, a... You, you open with the definition of pulp. Yeah. Which is, like, oh, <laughs> gross. Um, but it's very pretentious seeming. But, um, like, the whole thing about pulp is that it's, like, especially, like, pulp novels and magazines and stuff is that they're just, like, these kind of, like, useless things that have trashy stories in them. Yeah. And then you, like, buy them for five cents at the newspaper stand and then throw them away. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, like, the whole thing with this movie is that it's, like, just it's just it's like it's just it's it's like the it's like the film equivalent of like a pulp magazine from the 1950s like I remember this might be a tangent probably is a tangent but I remember I was taking um history of sexuality Mm -hmm. in my like sophomore year of college and we learned about like pulp lesbian fiction Mm -hmm. which is like the one way that like lesbians could see themselves being represented Mm -hmm. in the 50s like 40s 50s time was like these trashy novels mm-hmm. where like like I said you would buy them for five cents at the yeah. newspaper stand and then you'd read it and it'd be like these women who are who have like horrible desires and yeah. they come together and they sleep together and then one of them dies and yeah. then like that's the whole story and then you like throw the book away um but that's that's kind of like what this is it's like the equivalent of a trashy novel yeah from the 50s because like nothing means anything but it's come to mean so much more over time but so we have we went through the diner part and then this this, the next section is called prelude to -hmm. vincent vega and marcellus wallace's wife um and that's the scene where vince and julius julian vince and jules are like yeah at that guy's apartment, Brett. Brett? Yeah. yeah, they're like at Brett's apartment, threatening yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts. Thoughts. Yeah. Um. I was like, okay, yeah. I feel like I there was a bunch of lines that I have heard quoted for many years. Yeah. That was like one of my biggest takeaway. Yeah. Like check out the big brain on Brett mm-hmm. and like, I think I know someone that says like. This is a tasty burger. Like, yeah. the, his, like, intonation. Like, I was like, okay, yeah. Like, it's weird sometimes watching things where you're like, I've heard these exact lines for years and years. Yeah. I remember that was the first scene. Because, like, the the diner scene mm-hmm. and the when they're in the car talking about the, like, Royale with cheese. I had heard yeah. about the Royale with cheese scene before, too. Yeah. Um... And, like, I didn't get it at all. Like, when people would talk about that, I, like, didn't get it. And then I yeah. watched this movie, and I was like, I still don't get why this is such an iconic scene in yeah. this movie. He's just talking about a burger. Yeah. Um, but then when they get to Brett's apartment, and Samuel Jackson is, like, monologuing, kind of, for yeah. a very long time, that's when I was, like... That's that's the moment that I remember being like super sucked in, and I yeah. was like, "Oh fuck, what's about to happen?" Yeah. Um, but oh, that line where he's like, "English motherfucker, do you speak it?" Yeah. My brother used to say that all the time when I was a kid, and I'd be like, 
what are you saying? Yeah. Like, where did you get this from? Yeah. And I heard it the first time, and I was like, oh. And there's a bunch of other lines in this movie that my brother would say all the time. And I just, like, didn't, I just thought he was, like, rude. Yeah. I was like, why are you talking to me like this? But then I realized he was quoting something. Yeah, that's, like, I feel like a lot of kids in middle school would, like, quote The Office. And I was just like, why, why are you saying these words? Yeah. I just, like, didn't understand it. Um, yeah. I want to hear, I want to hear more on your thoughts about that scene, though, because that's, like, the first iconic scene that I remember from this movie. The one where they're in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just interesting. I feel like there was, I was always, like, kind of, like, tense, like, I feel like the threat of violence is, like, lurking at yeah. all times, and, like, the interesting thing is... Yeah, it was like when it then circles back around to that scene, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting because you're like seeing it from someone else's perspective. Yeah. Um, and you're not aware that that's because for them it's just like another day in their job, and you're yeah. not aware that this is like the only moral like change that's ever gonna happen in this movie. Like happens during yeah. the scene. Yeah. Um, but I yeah I was kind of like. Yeah, I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I think. I thought it was interesting that, like, um, at some point, Brett tries to white boy, um, his way out of it. He's like, he's like, excuse me, sir, I just, I wanted to talk to you. Your name is Jules, right? Yeah. he's, like, trying to, like, he's, like, trying to business major his way out of the situation, and it, like, he's entirely out of his depth. Yeah. Like, that, I think that was part of the... That was part of the thing, too, is that we're, like, immersed in this seedy underbelly of Los Angeles. Yeah. And it's, like, people you never thought would be involved or there. Yeah. But probably it wasn't the best idea for these, like, polo shirt wearing. Yeah. Like, barely 20-year-olds to get involved with, like, a drug-dealing bookie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was trying to figure out if they stole the briefcase that was. I think that was. I think that was the thing. They were supposed to do something with the briefcase, and then instead of doing that, they just tried to take it. Okay. Yeah, and then like Marvin told on them. Oh, he was the one that. Yeah. 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 Oh. And that's why he got spared. Until he didn't. Yeah. So, I guess we can move on to the next section, which is Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's life. Yeah, so I was thinking, yeah, so this section, Mm -hmm. I was noticing a lot about, like, how characters are introduced seem really important. Mm -hmm. And, like, Marcellus Wallace is first introduced, like, with the back of his head and that, Mm -hmm. like, band-aid, and it's this very, like, I don't know, like, this, like, close-up, and then his wife is like she's introduced by like her lips Mm -hmm. at first it's like everything about her is very like sexualized and like it's like her lips and she's like I don't know I was it was interesting because I was thinking about like they you know the gaze of like the director and stuff of like who's watching but also in that scene she's watching through the screen and I was like oh that's it's a little bit like complicating that I think it's like it's an interesting reversal while it's also playing into the thing yeah yeah I was like how much of this is intentional yeah and like how much of this is like 
yeah like you're still just doing the same thing yeah because yeah. like immediately after that scene she's like watching vince walk around the house and like telling him what to do yeah um and he's scared of her because if he does something wrong he's gonna die yeah um but like immediately after that scene you the first thing you see of her is her feet <laughs> yeah the first thing you see is her feet as she's walking of into course, the room slippers. her dirty feet might yeah. yeah i was like I remember I wrote down in my notes, I was like, not a shot of her dirty feet. Yeah. No. Like, she's, like, walking around the house barefoot. Um, yeah, I don't understand her. You I'm don't like, understand Mia? No. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, none of these people really, I guess, have clear, I mean, I yeah, I guess everything's nihilist and doesn't make sense, but I'm like, what is, why is she doing these things? Yeah. And I thought that a lot. And why is she married to Marcellus Wallace? What is the... It's never really explained. Yeah. they. I don't even think they really interact yeah. in the whole movie. And, like, why is she into this weird guy who she's yeah. with, right, with right now? Yeah. yeah. I think um, the first time I watched... Because you see so much about Mia Wallace. She's, like, an iconic character in yeah. this movie. The, like, black bob with yeah. the fringe cut and the, like, white shirt mm-hmm. and black pants that's like that's like the outfit of the film and yeah. she wears another outfit later on that I think is better personally but don't worry about it <laughs> um but she like I remember the first time I watched this I also didn't understand her and then I watched it again and I think she's like the most she's like the emotional center of the movie mm-hmm. she's like the most nakedly vulnerable person Mm-hmm. in the whole movie and it's because she knows she can't take care of herself mm-hmm. like it's clear that she's in this marriage because she needs someone to take care of her and like support her desires for yeah. a luxurious lifestyle um but she like what am I trying to say I think like she just is so fragile mm-hmm. as a character that it's, like, you can't help but, like, be sucked into her, you know? Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. It, at, yeah, at times, when you're talking about her as, like, an iconic character, at times it felt like, like, what she was was, like, iconography. Yeah. As opposed to, like, a human itself, which, like, I think everyone is in this movie, and that's probably why she feels like that. But almost, like, all these, like, pop culture things were, like, swallowed and, like, spit back out. But, and that's, like, one of the things is, like, who she is. This, like, actress who's very, you know, like... I think that's an interesting point, because she's the one who takes Vincent to, what is it called? Jackrabbit Slim? Yeah. And I wish that that, I wish that that place existed in real life. I know. Because it's, you can, like, sit in a, in an old car, and that's your table. Yeah. You get waited on by Buddy Holly. (laughs) Very cool. But, um, she's the one that, like, takes him there, and it's just this, it's literally, like, a place that looks like somebody chewed up the 1950s and then spat it into this room. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, it kind of, and it kind of feels like she is as much, like, and she's, she yeah. is as much an icon in as that any, space as, mm-hmm. like, any of the people who are dressed up as, like, old-timey yeah. actors. I, I mean, I think, like, a, an adult human 
with a coke habit would probably know not to just snort whatever yeah. white powder you find in someone's jacket um but so i i think like in that respect she's yeah. kind of childish because she just kind of like does things yeah and she's like playing games with people kind yeah. of um but yeah. i think she's i think she's fascinating though because mm-hmm. she yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask, like, in terms of her outfit, does she, I, I, I was waiting for that place where it's, like, her just wearing her, like, white shirt mm-hmm. and, like, no pants. Does she ever do that? Or she... I don't think so. I think it just looks like that sometimes because she's wearing black pants. Okay. So it, like, melts into the background. Yeah, I like, I really like Mia Wallace as a character. I didn't yeah. know how to feel about her the first time I watched the movie, but then I watched it again and it. I feel yeah. like there's something about Uma Thurman's performance that is, like, like you said, taking this woman who just is a thing yeah. for most of the film and turning her into as much of a person as she can be. Yeah. And I think it's hard also when you have, like, preconceived notions mm-hmm. of, like, what it is, of, like, this is Tarantino. Like, you you go in with, like, the baggage. Yeah. Of like what you were think what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. What did you what did you like expect of her when you went into it? Well, I mean, I think it depends. Like if I think if this was like a, a five years ago, I'd be like a hundred percent like cool female character, like blah blah blah. But I think especially because like people I feel like recently the conversation around Tarantino was like once upon a time in Hollywood and like yeah. portrayal of like Margot Robbie and like I just, like, have been hearing a lot of that. So I think that casts, like, a negative on terms of, like, when I was watching this. Mm-hmm. I was, like, more expecting that. But it wasn't quite like that. Yeah. It wasn't, like, super, like, oh, she's just this thing that's there. Yeah. Like, there was definitely, like, a lot more interesting stuff going on. Because she has agency in a way. But, like, it's just about the choices that she's making. Yeah. Like, she... I haven't watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but what I've heard of that film is that, like, the Sharon Stone character in that movie just is kind of, like, she just is, like, a ghost that kind of, like, floats from scene to scene and things are done to and around her, but she doesn't, like, do anything herself, really. Mm -hmm. But it felt like Mia Warren in this movie is, like, she does things. She, like, takes action. Like, she chose to marry Marcellus and, like, stay in that relationship. And she chose to take the heroin, yeah. even if it was an accident, and it, like, had horrible consequences. Um, but, like, the choices that she's making are kind of like, eh, would I recommend that? No. Yeah. No. She goes on a date with, is it Victor? Vince. Vince, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was interesting also because, like, when he was with her, it was, like, he also... I was also thinking about, like, the roles that people play. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I was going to say with the first scene. Mm-hmm. And then, like, going into the apartment, he was like, let me get in character. Yeah. And, like, the different characters that people play, like, they're almost aware that they're, like, in this, like... Film. Film. Yeah. yeah. And, like, even, like, Vince, when he's, like, at the scene, he's kind of this, like, broody, like, tortured guy who's like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And then later in the movie, he's, like, an oaf. And I'm like, this is the same man? Yeah. It's just interesting, because it's, like, the same guy, but in, like, different cast and, like, different roles. That's, that's like, so interesting, because I was thinking about that in terms, and we, like, the next part is, 
I think, like, the golden watch situation, the mm-hmm. prelude to the golden watch and the golden watch. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the part with Butch. Yeah. The boxer. But, like, when I when you meet, like, Butch and his girlfriend, Fabienne, in mm-hmm. the hotel room, it feels like it's a completely different movie. Yeah. Like, I, it, it just feels like it's a completely different movie from, like, the Butch who is in the taxi cab before yes. and then the butch who's like in the pawn shop later yeah and there's like these like different it feels like these distinct films kind of are yeah. happening in the same movie and so like in the same film vince can be like the the suave broody guy who takes mia wallace out for a date and yeah. has to like convince himself not to take it further and yeah. also like the dumbass who gets shot in a bathroom yeah <laughs> And shoot someone in a car on accident. Like, he's, like, so, like, towards the end of the movie, he's so stupid. It's like, what the heck? And then you're like, oh, he was that guy? Yeah, was he like this the whole time? Yeah. Mm -mm. Interesting. Really interesting. Okay, yes, we can go into Mm -hmm. the prelude to the Golden Watch and the Golden Watch. What did you think about the butt watch? (laughs) You know, I... I think it's funny when films kind of, like, don't take themselves seriously, and it's, like, a super serious film, and then you're like, oh, right, like, this is laughing at itself. Yeah. Um, and I was, like, uh, uh, like looking stuff up, stuff up afterwards, and, like, this symbol of, like, American, like, tradition and stuff, and, like, this whatever intense, whatever, like, culture that we pass down mm-hmm. is, like, actually just, like, a piece of shit. Yeah. And I was like, that's really interesting yeah. and kind of funny. Yeah. And it's, like, not a piece of shit because it's a gold watch, yeah. but it is, like... I was thinking about that while I was watching that scene. Okay, the first time I watched it, I, I howled laughing during that scene because I was 14 and I was yeah. like, oh my god, he that's put the... That's the funniest thing. Yeah, yeah, I was like, he put the watch in his butt. But then I watched it again and I was like, how did they poop? I thought that too. Yeah. I was like, they were in a PRW camps for seven years. How did they poop? Yeah. I was like, maybe they have privacy and I could take it out each time. Yeah. That's, I literally was thinking, I had to like pause and think about <laughs> that. The, the mechanics of yeah the butt watch. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is kind of like a, I wrote some note that I can't remember now about this being like, like not as self-serious as other films. Yeah. It just is like what it is yeah and yeah. i think it's like when people like if we're like kind of breaking down some of the pretentiousness yeah it's harder in this at least like in this film maybe like other tarantino films are different yeah because it doesn't take itself that seriously and like at times like at times yeah. it's super pretentious at times it's just like laughing at itself a little bit so i was like okay like but I don't know, it's become, like, snowballed and become this, like, thing, you That's know? That's what I was gonna say. I think the pretentiousness is more so, like, in people's reaction to yeah. it. Which is, like, counterintuitive to what it's doing, actually, yeah. you know? Like, people are like, oh my god, you haven't seen Pulp Fiction? It's yeah. like a cinematic masterpiece. The shot list? And, like, they're, like, nutting over it constantly. Yeah, it's turning it into this, like, fake, like... Yeah idealized like thing where in in itself is like laughing at anything that would do that yeah Yeah. and it's also like laughing at previous self-serious films yeah like that i can't think of any examples right now but war movies 
Oh, yeah, definitely laughing at war movies. Yeah. War movies are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that there's definitely, like, stuff going on in this movie that, like, again, like, we can, like, really critique him for a lot of things. Um, but that scene was, like, the kid was, like, watching this, like, Reese's, like, made, like character of, like, I don't know if it was, like, specifically making fun of, like, a Vietnamese person. I think it was, like, making fun of, like, Inuit people. Oh, okay. Because he looked like he was, like, North. He was, like, okay. North American. Yeah. 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 Um, but he's, like, literally watching this thing, and then, like, yeah, I don't know. There's definitely, and there's definitely, like, stuff going on that I'm, like, I don't know how, like, af- effective mm-hmm. some of their commentary is, because there's also just, like, racial slurs being thrown around yeah. all the time, and so it's hard to be, like, okay, what is, is this just perpetuating what it's critiquing. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely, like, you can tell that there's some intention there to, like, comment on these things. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar thing with the Mia Wallace yeah. thing, too, you know? Like, I I remember I wrote, um, this is, this feels to me, I, it was during the scene where, sorry, excuse me, where Vince is buying heroin, and he's, like, yeah. he's, like, in the heroin dealer's room, and... He just is like being. He just is like being casually racist, yeah. and I was like, "This feels like a completely white male world, yeah. where like that this kind of racism is just normal. They just yeah. like do it together, and in yeah. some ways, he's criticizing it yeah. because like those characters are sometimes like kind of dumb. They're like not the best people, yeah. but in some ways, it is just perpetuating it because when yeah. Quentin Tarantino himself appears in the film yeah. later on. He says the N-word, like, 17 times. Yeah. It, it, he's in the movie for, like, three minutes. That's his only thing that he does. Yeah. yeah. So, it's it's interesting. It's it's interesting that it's, like, kind of doing both. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's doing both. And, like, if your director puts himself in the movie, it's, like, you have to think about what that message is sending. Yeah. And, like, it's very, like... Even that, if that's not his intention, like, it's very much like that's him in the movie doing it, and yeah. I don't know, it is interesting. That is one hundred percent his self insert. Yeah, like, truly, just being himself <laughs> inserted into the film. Yeah. Yep. So. Okay, so we we move on from the butt watch to, <laughs> um, Butch. Mm-hmm. So, previously, like, earlier on in the movie, Butch had agreed with Marcellus. I think this is, like, the first time that we see him. Mm-hmm. He's like, that, okay. Ugh. This is, this was the moment where I was like, fucking hell, this shot is beautiful. Because it's, like, just Bruce Willis's face. And uh-huh. then there's, like, smoke floating across the scene, screen, as he's, like, smoking a cigarette. And he's, like, in the, um, cat club. With Marcellus making the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Where Marcellus is like, you're, you're gonna throw the fight, um, and you go down in the fifth, don't let your pride get in the way, whatever. And, like, that shot of just his face, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just thought it was so interesting, like, watching all of the, like, different emotions go across his face. Um, and it felt... This happens a lot in the movie where there's, like, smoke floating across the seat, the screen, yeah. and it just feels like a 
like a noir film from yeah, the forties. Yeah. It's like where is Humphrey Bogart? Where's Lauren Bacall? What's happening? Yeah. Um so that was something that I wanted to talk about. But yeah, like earlier on in that scene, Butch makes a deal with Marcellus and he's like, I'm gonna throw the fight, you give me a certain amount of money. And then during the Golden Watch, like yeah. at the opening of the Golden Watch, he does not throw the fight. Yeah. Yeah. In fact he kills his opponent. Yeah. It is interesting, like Butch, like I feel like there's definitely a lot going on with like masculinity and like this like patriarchal like lineage and like yeah i don't know there's a lot going on there yeah i was like okay yeah but he kind of like he kind of shirks it in a way you know like he Mm -hmm. is hyper masculine Mm -hmm. but he also like doesn't accept the specific brand of masculinity that his like father and grandfather and yeah. great-grandfather passed down to him. Yeah. You know? I agree. Like, he... Okay, so, like, they... What happens? He throws... He doesn't throw the match, and he's bet a bunch of money on himself winning. Oh. So he wins a bunch of money, and he's gonna, like, go collect it. Yeah. And then, like, leave town with Fabienne. Um, but Fabienne has forgotten his mm-hmm. dad's watch at his apartment, this is a scene, that scene with him and Fabienne in the motel where I was like, this is just a French New Wave movie. Yeah. Like, it just became breathless, randomly. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Fabienne as a character? I was gonna ask you the same thing. Okay, I want you to go first. She's definitely, like, a waif character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, for sure. Yeah. Um, like, so delicate. Like, if we're talking about me as, like, delicate, whatever, like, she's like so like fragile looking yeah and like but also at the same time there was things that contradicted that like how hungry she was and how much she wanted to eat and how much like appetite she had for the world and like how she was like even commented and like how she wanted to have like a giant belly and like be like things to the like very like sensuous in Mm -hmm. terms of like concerned with like the senses and the physical world around yeah. her and I was like cool like that stuff was interesting and then part she was just like oh there's I think like the difference with Mia and Fabienne is like I feel like Mia is fragile but not delicate yeah like if you breathe on her she'll break but yeah. she's like very she's made out of tough stuff you know yeah and Fabienne is like delicate yeah. but not fragile yeah um she's like She's like a glass orb or something. Yeah. Very strong, but if you drop it, it's going to shatter. Yeah. Um, and I I remember I watched this the first time, and the actress who plays Fabienne is Portuguese, and I knew that because I like saw her name in mm-hmm. the credits, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and I was wondering, I was like, why did he make her French if she's yeah. from Portugal? But I realized, I think Quentin Tarantino has a France fetish. Or he did mm. in the 90s. Yeah. It's like... Is, like, having a French character in the film enables, like, I don't know, it just, like, does something for him. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that. I, I was interested in, like, Fabienne's, like, appetite, too, because she... All of it is, like, hypothetical, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she also seems to have an understanding that if she does get this, like pot belly this like yeah. big round pot belly she's not going to be as valuable anymore because she's yeah. not going to be considered beautiful 
Like, that's a thing that Butch says to her. He's like, do you think yeah. any man would like that? If yeah. Have, like, a huge pot belly. Um, but she wants it still. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it means. Maybe mm-hmm. nothing. Maybe nothing. Yeah. That was a thing. So he has to go get the watch mm-hmm. from his apartment because Fabienne forgot it. And it made me mad when he yelled at her. It made me really mad, too. I almost thought she wasn't going to get on the motorcycle at yeah. the end. I was like, dude, relax. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also just really, like, his physical presence versus hers. Yeah. I think it's definitely, like, it feels a little, like, weird and, like, fetishy kind of. Like, this yeah. big, strong man, this very, very weak, fragile woman. But I, I was just, like, really, like... I think because I'm a woman, like, really attuned to, like, her physical safety in the mm-hmm. scene and, like, feeling the, like, the the threat of him, like, really close. And he's, like, screaming and throwing things. Yeah. So that was, like, you, I don't know, it's just, like, it's a very, like, tangible feeling. I think when you talk about his, like, him being this, like, big, strong man, this is something I hadn't thought about before, but, yeah. like, his relationship with Fabian is kind of, like, a mirror to Marcellus's relationship with Mia. Yeah. Like, they're both these, like, really tiny women with these, like, yeah. big, strong men. And, like, yeah. Butch is literally a boxer. Yeah. So, if he wanted to hurt her, he could. He had, he killed a man the night before. Yeah. Um, so it's not, like, the, the danger isn't real. Yeah. But you just have to, like, believe and hope that he wouldn't do something like that. Yeah. Which is, like hard to put faith in yeah you know um um i really like the scene though when he goes to back to his apartment yeah like i was like just like the way that suspense was building i was like okay yeah i'm i was definitely like really in mm-hmm. at this point and like the pop tart as soon as he put that in i was like You're all right like, it's this, coming that's the chekhov's gun moment. yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um and that's why i think that he that was the scene where i was like it felt like he was rejecting this specific brand of masculinity that had been passed down to him because like he picks up this machine gun Mm -hmm. which is like probably what his father and grandfather and great-grandfather had like fought in those wars with and he kills vince with it and he's about to take it with him but then he's like "Eh, i don't need this and he puts it down and leaves yeah and then like i mean jumping ahead but when he eventually like chooses his weapon of choice yeah it's like this like completely different you know this like it's like a katana yeah yeah yeah. and it's just like rejecting this american male you know whatever yeah and Mm -hmm. i think like that um i don't know if you've heard this quote but there's this like quote that you i don't know what exactly it is but like you have to have a certain kind of metal to be able to kill someone with a knife you have to like look them in the face as you're um stabbing them mm-hmm. whereas a gun you can just like stand from far away yeah. and shoot at them um so it was interesting to me that he like ended he was he didn't just choose the sword he was like enthralled by the sword yeah. he was like that sword is mine yeah um yeah i guess we move on to the elephant in the room which is the rape scene yeah yeah it was horrible it was fucking awful amanda yeah I, like, I've been trying to understand why that happened since I was 14, and I'm 22, and I still don't get it. Yeah, like, why would, why did that scene, why did it happen? I don't know. So, like, I read, I got on Wikipedia before I came here, so I could, like, try and make sense of it. And there's, like, 
so this film is often recognized as a pastiche, which is like a, it's kind of like a taking something mm-hmm. and paying homage to it. Yeah. You know, so it's like paying homage to like a lot of different kinds yeah. of films um, from over the years. And people seem to think that this is like an homage to the film Deliverance from the 70s, mm. which is about these like four friends who decide to go on a canoe trip and then they get they like go to this rural town um and they get split up and one of the parties is captured by these two like local men mm-hmm. who um tie them up and rape one of them mm-hmm. and then they like end up killing the men mm-hmm. um so they it's like the thing that i read on wikipedia was essentially like yeah this it's like an homage to that but kind of turning it on its head because in that film it's this like um it's this like big shameful thing that happens let me actually see if i can find it okay Okay. so i'm quoting wikipedia here yeah it says stephen paul miller believes the pulp fiction scene goes down much easier than the one it echoes in deliverance Mm -hmm. the buggery perpetual perpetrated is not at all as shocking as it was in deliverance the 90s film reduces 70s competition horror and taboo into an entertaining subtle adrenaline play a fiction a pulp fiction um and Giraud reads the rape scene homage similarly in the end tarantino's use of parody is about repetition transgression and softening the face of violence by reducing it to the property of film history so like Okay, this is this is the quote that I, that really kind of like resonated with me. Um, someone in Groff, have no idea who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, in Deliverance, the rape created the film's central moral dilemma, whereas pulp, in Pulp Fiction, it was merely the single weirdest day of Butch's life. Yeah, that's like that to me is kind of like the absurdist quality of this yeah, movie. It's yeah. like these big earth-shattering things happen and then it like doesn't mean anything really that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah they're like living in a world where there's no like meaning yeah there's like no inherent meaning yeah things that happen yeah um which i don't know that i agree with the worldview yeah i don't know that that's necessarily quentin tarantino's worldview but it seems to be like the worldview of this film yeah yeah that makes sense it's it still was like it still was like shocking though and yeah. i think that's that kind of is the essence of it like it's meant to shock yeah um and i think if i was seeing it in theaters like when it was coming out mm-hmm. it would be like a really crazy experience yeah um it's definitely different watching something when you kind of already know what's happening you know like yeah. you know this is coming and stuff yeah um, had you heard about this scene before, or you just, like, saw it? I think I had heard it? about it. Okay. Or, like, yeah, I definitely, like, had some sense of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, it still shocked me while I was, yeah, when it came up. I was like, oh, this is so random. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something to, like, taking the two most masculine characters in the film yeah. and, like, reducing them to nothing, essentially. Like, the most masculine figure yeah. in the film, Marcellus, is the one who gets raped. Yeah. And then butch is like tied up and incapacitated yeah there's something about race there that i don't feel like exploring either yeah like, i think so too i just am like uh, i could probably write a dissertation about it but i don't want to and yeah. tarantino probably doesn't care so yeah he already did it yeah um but 
yeah, they're they're that that is that is that scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's quite quite something. Yeah. Yeah. And this one is kind of a weird one. We were texting about it last night, and yeah. it, it is like I didn't expect it to be as disturbing as it is. Yeah. But it's disturbing. Like, it's disturbing. I was like, yeah, I was like, all right, next time we'll do a more... Yeah, like, something a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. But, but more, um, a little bit less unsettling. And that, that, okay, I, again, I don't have the energy to, like, critically analyze this right now, but, like, the rape is what kind of settles the score between yeah. Marcellus and Butch. He's like, just don't tell anyone about this, and you can leave Los Angeles, and I won't come looking for you. Yeah. Which is, like... And you yeah, know how I felt about that. I know, and like, it's like if it was because he saved him, mm-hmm. it's one thing. But it didn't feel like that. It felt more like I was like emasculated, and so now you have this horrible secret of mine. So now we have no like leverage over you. Have no leverage over me. So. That's I, kind of what it felt like. Yeah. And I think, okay, I'm going to do I'm gonna do the analysis now. Yeah. I think, like, it's important that feel like that Marcellus is the one that gets raped in this scene. Yeah. Because, like, it's... I, in the U.S., like, as a black man, all you have is your masculinity. All you have yeah. is, like, your male privilege. And that is kind of taken away from him. Mm-hmm. And Butch is a witness to it. And it's not just taken away from him. It's, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, in the pawn shop, there's, uh, a, they, there's, a, yeah, flag, yeah. there's like, a Confederate flag hanging yeah. up. So, like, it's taken away from him by people who are decidedly racist. Yeah. And Butch is witness to that. And so, like, he's the only one, like, his word is the only thing that is mm-hmm. keeping Marcellus from maintaining his power and privilege. Yeah. Um... And he's not, he's, like, not going to do anything because he, like, leaves town with Fabienne. But it, I don't know, it's kind of sad. Yeah. It's kind of sad. It It is, it is sad. Yeah. And I saw, when I was looking up earlier, like, what, who was the guy who was thrown out the window? Um, Tony. Tony something. Rocky Mar, yeah. Yeah, I saw some, like, theory that I think has a lot of traction that he didn't, like, do anything with Marcellus's wife, but he, like, made a move on Mar- Marcellus. Yeah. So there's definitely some, like, I don't know. There's definitely some, like, I guess, like, like fear of um, homophobia. Or, like, yeah. fear of homosexuality. Yeah. And, like, homosexuality, like, rendering you no longer a man. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and I think something else that was disturbing is I was, like, reading through all this criticism about the, like, rape scene, and it was, like, it's like, it was, like, funny to people. Oh. Like, it, like, the, like, like, one of the critics, one of the quotes I read, the guy yeah. was, like, the buggery scene, and I was, like, it's not buggery. That's not, yeah. it's not exactly what was happening here. And there's, yeah. like, this Quentin Tarantino quote about, like, how there's a bunch of butt sex in this other movie, and I'm like, again, it's not quite butt sex, is yeah. it? It's definitely a violation of a human being. But... Yeah. Okay, so... um, Okay, so next, Vincent and Jules. We jump back to Vincent and Jules at yeah. Brett's apartment. So we kind of got the end of the movie in the middle. Like, the last thing that happens chronologically is Marcellus and Butch in this pawn shop. 
And then we jump back to earlier, and Vince and Jules are at Brett's apartment, and there's that guy in the bathroom. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. Dumbass. Oh he should have stayed in the bathroom. He really should have. So stupid. Yeah. Um, what did you... I remember you talked earlier about, like, kind of getting to see that scene from a different perspective. Did yeah. You, like, elaborate. Yeah, I think it's interesting when, like, time is, like, you see the same thing happen again, but, mm-hmm. like, from a different perspective, and I, I mean, like, that character in particular, like, and I was, like, he's not, it's not, like, I'm seeing things through his eyes make any difference to me, but just seeing Vince and Jules again, after having seen a lot of other stuff about them, mm-hmm. just puts them in a different light, because, yeah. again, I'm, like, oh, these are these two guys, and, yeah. like, we've seen them, mostly Vince at the like Vince's journey and other things but like also this is now like Jules's moment yeah um but it and you just like understand the world a lot more and so you have a I like had a lot more context when we were like thrown back into this moment yeah I think I agree with that it like it makes a bit more sense who they are and what they're doing yeah um here and you like when he's saying the bible verse it has like a look a new loaded meaning because mm-hmm. you like understand how moral list this world is yeah. and how horrible it is and that's the interesting thing is that we hear it a different time and it's something different mm-hmm. and so it's like the same thing for Jules it's like it was one thing but then it means something different to him too yeah so okay so um after they, like, kill the guy... Okay, so, like, the guy comes out of the bathroom yeah. and starts shooting wildly and doesn't hit them. Yeah. And Jules is like, this was a miracle from God. Yeah. Um, so they kill him and then leave with Marvin, who mm-hmm. had told on his friends. And then Vince accidentally shoots Marvin in the backseat of the car. Poor Marvin. Yeah. Poor Marvin. I'm really sad for Marvin. I know, me too. Yeah. Rest in peace to Marvin. Rest in peace. That was really sad. He was just... Yeah. He just was there, you know? Yeah. He was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And not get his face shot. And he ended up getting his face shot anyway. And that's, I think, it's like, it, they're, like, arguing about this miracle that just happened, and then there's, like, this freak accident, and you're like, oh, yeah, everything's meaningless again. Yeah. 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 Um, so they kill, oh, this is the Bonnie situation, by the way. So they kill Marvin, and they have to go to Quentin Tarantino's house. I can't remember what his character's name is. It doesn't matter, because it's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah, so they have to go to his house to, like, figure out the situation. Yeah. Um, And they're terrified because Bonnie is coming home in an hour and a half. Uh Uh-huh. And if Bonnie sees a bunch of hitmen in the house, she will get divorced. (laughs) Which, Bonnie's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She'd probably get divorced and, like, move to Iowa or something. Well, she's black, so probably not Iowa, but, like... <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah. Probably best for her. She should not be married yeah. to Quentin Tarantino. I would agree. <laughs> um, so, they have to... They invite over Winston Wolf, who is a yeah. person who cleans things up. Mm-hmm. Did you have thoughts about Wolf? He definitely felt like he was from, like, a mafia movie. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah. I don't know, I... It's weird because when you watch these kinds of films, you find yourself, like, really strangely rooting for these people that you would never root for. So I'm like, 
thank God this guy's here to help him clean up this guy's murder. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, but what? But, like, two seconds ago you were sad because Marvin got shot in the face. Yeah, but it's just, like, the tension of like, this impending thing, bad thing that's going to happen. You're just like, oh, no, like, we have to get this, like, the time crunch. Like, we have yeah. to get this still. And he's so, like, it's matter of fact about it. And, like, all this death that happened, like, over and over before in the movie was mm-hmm. like seemingly had no consequence mm-hmm. and now it's like oh no there's consequences in yeah. this film like you have to clean it up like yeah and the consequence isn't even like we're gonna go to prison necessarily yeah. the consequence is bonnie's gonna come home and divorce <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so i like winston wolf i think he's like a fun little man i like him too weirdly yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i want all the best for him okay so we are at the last the last little scene mm-hmm. in my note. Okay, yes. It's called Epilogue, the diner. So we're mm-hmm. back at the diner mm-hmm. um, from a different perspective again. We're seeing Jules and Vincent's perspective of this, like, diner stick-up that Pumpkin and Honey Bunny <laughs> have <laughs> planned together. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a thing that's happened multiple times throughout the movie. Like, mm-hmm. Jules is talking about the miracle that occurred earlier and Vincent's like I have to go to the bathroom <laughs> and this has happened a few times in the movie where like something important is happening and Vincent's yeah. on the toilet yeah. um, or like in the bathroom it's at least the third time yeah the, the third time the final time he dies because he's like yeah. in the bathroom when he should be outside staking out this guy's apartment yeah um so so they're in the diner, Vince goes to the bathroom, and then Pumpkin and Honey Bunny hold up the restaurant mm-hmm. and try and rob everyone. Mm-hmm. And Jules is not having it. He's mm-hmm. like, you are not taking my wallet. Um, His briefcase. Oh, yes, because they, they tried to get the briefcase, Yeah, right? he was fine with the wallet, but as soon as they touched the briefcase, he was like, mm, here's like, what we're not going to do. No, 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 no. He's <laughs> like, I've been, too much, I've been through too much shit today for this briefcase. Yeah. You are not taking it. Yeah. Um. So... He, like, it's, it's like, the classic Mexican standoff, right? Because yeah. he's pointing, the guy, yeah. the British guy's pointing a gun at Jules, and his girlfriend has the gun somewhere else, and mm-hmm. then, like, Jules grabs him and points a gun at him, and yeah. his girlfriend starts pointing the gun at Jules. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, Vince comes out of the bathroom and is pointing the gun at the girlfriend. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's like, the classic. He eventually finishes. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> it's, like, the classic triangle. Um, yeah. And then Jules goes into the monologue where he's talking about the miracle that he experienced that mm-hmm. day. And the Bible passage, Ezekiel yeah. twenty five seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is, like, a recurring motif in this film. Yeah. I want to see if I can find it, actually. Okay, so I'm going to read this passage, which I think is funny because I looked it up on Google and it <laughs> says song by Samuel L. Jackson. Song? It's not a song, it's just a Bible verse. <laughs> um, so it says, The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who, in the name of charity and goodwill, shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and fury and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. What did you think when you first heard it versus when you second heard it versus when you heard it this third time? Yeah, when I first heard it, 
I was thinking about how, like, he thinks he's the god of this world. Mm -hmm. And I was also thinking about, like, that, yeah, because, again, I came in with these, like, preconceived notions of, like, what I thought this film was and who Mm -hmm. I thought Tarantino was. And, like, what it means to be a director is, like, imposing your will, your view of the world and imposing your power upon you know, these characters and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about, like, you know, like, is this what Tarantino views himself as? Is, like, this righteous... Well, not righteous, but, like, this god, like, casting his vision of the world. So that's what I first thought. And then I was like, okay, that's not really what is going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was thinking about just kind of, like, the, the morality of this world is just, like, who is more has more power and who's weak yeah and that's just what's going on is like literally it's just like everything's meaningless it's just who can have more power in this situation mm-hmm. and like who's the weaker one but then like there's kind of like this change at the end where he's like i don't want to just be this power the most powerful one mm-hmm. i want to be the like the shepherd or like that yeah. kind of transformation yeah. yeah that's what i thought what did you think yeah that's that's kind of a similar thing that i thought like the f- the first time i heard it it was like i remember the first time i watched this movie mm-hmm. i heard that verse and i was like what is this and i like looked it up and like yeah. you said i couldn't find exactly those words in yeah. a bible anywhere so i was like this is weird why did yeah. he say that it was from the bible um and but I was like so fascinated by it, but I didn't understand mm-hmm. why it was in this movie. And yeah. now I'm watching it again, and it kind of feels like, like we were saying earlier, like this is a very irreverent film yeah. that like doesn't, doesn't like, it doesn't like take notice of any higher power. Yeah. Really, like you said, like the only people, the only order is like who's most powerful and who yeah. is weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can like shift at any moment. So like having this passage in, and it appears like three different times. Like yeah. at the beginning, it's like just kind of like a talisman that he waves around yeah. to display his power. And then like in the second act, he's like it's the talisman that he's waving in her. He's waving around to display his mm-hmm. power, but like. Because he's so busy displaying his power, he doesn't realize that there's another danger around. And so it kind of, like, backfires on him. Yeah. And then the third time, he's actually thinking about what it means. And I guess it's not that there's no order in this world. It's just that you get to decide who you are and what what role you're going to play. Like, he says at the beginning, let's get into character. Like, he gets to decide what character he is. Yeah. Um, and he's deciding at the end, I think, like, one of his last lines, he's, like, he, he, like you said, he's, like, I want to be the shepherd, um, who, like, leads the weak through the darkness, but I think I'm actually the tyranny of evil men, Mm -hmm. which would make you the shepherd. Um, and by you, he means, like, the, the robber guy. Yeah. So, he's in, in the act mm-hmm. of letting Cockney accent man, whose name I can't remember, go. Mm-hmm. He is... Pumpkin? Yes, Pumpkin. <laughs> he is turning himself into the shepherd. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, his final, his final act of, like, evil or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like I like that scene. Yeah. Because it had stakes. Because it was like, anyone could die at any moment. Really? And like, yeah, it, it kind of reminded me. It was like, we're just stuck in this like cycle mm-hmm. of violence. That's literally like, because this movie is like cyclical. It yeah. literally feels more like we're stuck in this. And like, that's how it felt at the end. There was like this all this pointless violence that was just gonna occur mm-hmm. and then he's just like we don't actually like just like pausing and being like do we need to do this yeah and like it was i thought it was like a really good ending yeah yeah You're like we don't need to do this it's yeah just stop yeah um and i think i i thought about this when i finished the movie mm-hmm. is like i feel like the only reason vince is alive is because he had jewels with him and like the first job that he goes mm-hmm. to do without Jules, he immediately dies. Because yeah. <laughs> he's, like, on the toilet. That's so true. I, for- I forgot about the stakes of that comes after, and he doesn't have his partner there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because if he had been, if he had been, like, in Brett's apartment by yeah. himself, and that guy had come out of the bathroom just, like, shooting randomly, who knows if he would have survived, you know? Yeah. So, it's kind of like Jules, Jules is, like, the brains of the operation. <laughs> so I guess we're we're like at the end of the movie. Do you have yeah. like final thoughts that you want to wrap up with? Yeah, I guess like from a more critical perspective, like when I was just talking about the cycle of violence and we don't need it anymore, mm-hmm. and like yeah, that's all great and good, but also this film seems to relish in its violence yeah. and really like from like this like sensory like per- like film like it's very like it's a little too much for me I uh, I, I think like in a way the violence is there's so much violence because it's supposed to be like absurd yeah and like render it meaningless but also it kind of is just like desensitizing people enough that they can, like, commit more violence. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's, I guess I'm also just bringing in the layer of the last, like, when did this come out in the 90s? 94. 94. The layer of the past, like, 20 whatever years it's been. More than that, 30 years. um, Of, like, gun violence and all these things. And, like, it's not... Yeah, it just... It brings a different perspective it just adds another layer of meaning of like having all of this Mm -hmm. where like before it's like oh all this taboo crazy stuff yeah but now it's also like we're so desensitized to it all the time that now watching it it's like it doesn't feel like provocative it just feels like here's more yeah it just is kind of like an echo yeah instead of like oh shock yeah. Yeah. Say. I think, and I think the question too of this whole podcast is like, is it good? Yeah. I think it's unequivocally good, mm-hmm. but I also think it's good. Like, it's a, it's a beautiful film. Yeah. It's well constructed. Quentin Tarantino is definitely not a hack. Yeah. As he has his vision. Yeah. yeah. As some the directors music. are. Yeah. Um, but I think. And this is a problem that I always have with art, like, with any kind of art. Yeah. Is, like, do, what is it doing functionally? Yeah. Like, what's the, per- why did you make it? What are you trying yeah. to do with it? Um, and I think it's really easy for 
a lot some people usually men usually yeah. white men to just make things yeah um because they want them to be like they want to like make something prettier they have like a story that's stuck in their head or they're like trying to do something mm-hmm. um but i don't think i think i wonder what this film is doing yeah yeah like what purpose it serves is it contributing to the greater good which like yeah. not to say that all art has to contribute to the greater good but yeah. like that is a thing that i ask myself often when i watch things yeah so, yeah i think that's fair yeah and like is this his same perspective and same thing now still contributing to the greater good yeah or like still a worthwhile thing yeah because maybe it was like pushing society in a different to think about things or pushing film Mm -hmm. but now i'm just like yeah yeah it's and it's also like such an iconic movie that like it's been mimicked and copied and referenced so many times that it's probably hard to separate it from like people's thoughts on it yeah like remakes of it kind of yeah i also wanted to say this before we closed that it reminds me of gilmore girls Oh my god, I was thinking that we should do Gilmore, do one about Gilmore Girls. Oh, yes. (laughs) But how does it remind you of Gilmore Girls? Oh, because I think this is, I think Gilmore Girls wouldn't exist if movies like this didn't exist. Where there's like, just like, like really fast talking and lots of action and lots of cultural references to things of the past. Like, I think this is like, in a way, a predecessor to like, shows like Gilmore Girls. That is so true, and something that I don't think anyone has ever said before. Okay, great. <laughs> we love groundbreaking thoughts. Yeah. I don't think any. I, I want you to write a letter to Quentin <laughs> You Thank you for making this, because that inspired Amy Sherman Pelagino to make it more girls. I spoke to her in my head, and I know. All right. All right. Was there anything, any other thoughts that you had? No, I think that's it. I think that's good. Yeah, this was our first one, so we're definitely still, like, figuring Figuring it out. Figuring it out and figuring out, like, what kinds of things we want to talk about, um, what kinds of, yeah. Yeah. But we're definitely really excited. Yeah. We're going to keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah.